This is the Crystal Gemcast, the analytical Stephen Universe podcast. Yes, this is the Crystal Gemcast, episode six. I'm Joseph. I'm Army. I'm Sam. And today we'll be talking about the links between Stephen Universe and mental illness. And if you don't think we can, well, Sam's going to help. Yeah, I have my bachelor's degree in psychology, which obviously means I'm a licensed psychologist who has all the ability to talk about these sort of things. So today we have actual professionalism! Hooray! And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, there's going to be spoilers. So it's uh, been a bit of a while again. Sorry for the delay, everyone. Yeah, I got super sick. I got really busy. Yeah, but you're usually not on the recording, so... I know, but it was partly my fault this time. Even if usually it isn't, because I'm not involved. <laughs> it was in no way your fault. <laughs> As you can see, we have another voice on the podcast. We've already got your name, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, Sam. Okay, well, I'm Sam. I'm 22, and I'm from Canada. And I really like Steam Universe. Although currently, I'm very much obsessed with Undertale. That's sort of what's taking place with my heart while we're on this really, really... Really, really long hiatus. Yeah, to be fair, a lot of us have been finding... Well, not so much for me. I've been buried up to my neck in work. But um, I have missed having the new Steven Universe coming on. Yeah. We'll survive in just a couple of months. We've done it before. You've done it before. But we've already been through a couple of months. <gasps> hey, I'm used to Doctor Who. And again, the MST3K hiatus is almost over. I refuse to call that hiatus. It was cancelled. They brought it back. Hey, if it's coming back, it's a technically a hiatus. Okay, yeah, fair point, fair point. So, to get to know us a bit better, how about we talk about our favourite fusion? That sounds good to me. Alright, Sam, you're the newbie. You start first. Okay, favourite fusion. Oh man, I love all the fusions. I mean, I guess technically, since Garnet is a fusion. Spoiler warning. Cough, cough. Probably Garnet, although I love Sardonyx and I never, didn't ever think I would when I initially saw her, but she is amazing. <laughs> I'm not particularly a Sardonyx fan myself. I can't tell you why, though. Heresy! Yeah, I know. Oh, God. That was a little intense there, but I can sort of see why. She's a little bit off the rails a bit. I don't know. I just found her really funny. I will say with all of the fusions, after a certain point, they all seem to be a bit mad. A little bit? I don't know. I mean, Opal's pretty together. Yeah, that's true. But that fusion's got Pearl in it. Well, so did Sardonic. Yeah. And so did Alexandrite. Oh, dear, Alexandrite. I'll tell you what, that is (laughs) my least favourite of the fusions, just because it's so nightmarish and um, just doesn't work. It does make me wonder what Rose brought to the table, because I think she was the one that kept them all together fusion-wise. She was the most stable. It might have also been because when Rose was around, they were probably, you know, overall more harmonious with each other, just more together, more like less unhappy. Now it's a little more chaotic. Yeah, I think that would work. Yeah, I think that's a fair point to be made. Score me in the Garnet camp as well. Garnet is my favorite fusion. I suppose for me, it's just, I really like the Ruby and Sapphire relationship. And God, it's just so cool, you know? Oh, she's so cool. I mean, just with the shades and the one-liners and she's British. Yeah, that'd probably get your goat. No, I like it because I have a problem with the fact that you don't 
certainly in American television, you don't see many uh, black British people on it for some reason. That is true. I have a problem that Joseph's been keeping a goat from... Oh. <laughs> well, I'd share it, but um, I think it'd get lost getting across the Atlantic. Or is it the Pacific? I don't know. <laughs> it's the Atlantic. Pacific's on the California side. Oh, right, I okay. Think. I will say, though... Doesn't quite make sense that two non-British accented gems somehow come together and they come with a very realistic, legit British accent, despite the fact that they're aliens and, you know, aren't in Britain. It's a TARDIS translational quirk. To be fair, when you look at Sugalai, I mean, that's a British accent and whatever accent Amethyst has, and that comes together to make Nicki Minaj, so... I don't think any of these make much sense. But the thing is, though, Nicki Minaj doesn't really have an accent. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not quite the same thing. I wish if I was fused with somebody, my voice would then sound like Nicki Minaj. I don't think it would suit me very well. You don't think? But then again, somehow Malachite has, like, the voice of Legion. Well, no, Malachite doesn't have their own voice actors. They are just lapses and Jasper's voice just sort of actually legit meshed together. That's sort of my point, though, is that it's it goes with sort of the Andre Lenoge kind of mishmash of voices instead of a new voice. And I think it's just more of a, well, to bring up MST3K again. Keep to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. Talking of this subject, Army, you haven't really said who your favorite fusion is. Sam sort of hit one of my favorites with uh, Sardonyx, who is every anime trope condensed into one character. <laughs> <laughs> I loved when she did that. I was like, I was so for that. It was so good. And I think Garnet is sort of the uh, easy answer. I mean, she is a hoopy fruit. But uh, I think I'm going to have to say uh, Stevani is my favorite. Because, honestly, that was one of the best episodes of the uh, series. And I'm just going to say it because of that. Uh, I completely forgot about Stevani. I completely forgot about Stevani, too. I don't know if I should change my vote now. <laughs> Can I have them equal? Can I have Garnet and Stavoni? I mean, Sardonyx is one of my answers. I mean, I'm not, I'm kind of flipping, flopping too, so... But can we all agree on Alexandra is the least favourite of the fusions, then? Yeah. I think we can all... Uh... You know? You don't think? I don't know. Because we also know that there is Diamond out there. The fusion of the temple. And I think she's my least favorite because we haven't seen her yet. Yeah, that doesn't count. But the problem I've got with Alexandra is the fact that she basically has no personality. Because she's just all three of them all munched together. Well, did Rainbow Quartz have a personality beyond dancing? Um, well, being mean to Greg. But that was in dance form. And that was only Pearl's intent... Rose Court's intent was probably to, like, do something cool for Greg, so that's only, like, half of Rainbow Court's intentions. Rose is the leader. She's also, arguably, I would argue, the strongest of all the gems. How come Pearl was able to basically take the lead on that fusion? I, maybe because Rose let her? I mean, I don't know. And I actually kind of disagree. Garnet is the strongest fighter, while Amethyst is joy and laughter, and then the Crystal Gems save the day. Well, I don't know. I think that's debatable. I mean, we see parts of Rose fighting in the war, but we don't really see how good Rose was at fighting. But she was the leader of the gem, so it could be presumed that she would be the strongest. Maybe it was sort of like Revan kind of skills, where most of her skills laid in improving people and and bending them to her purposes. I think that's probably more like it. She definitely seems more like a general type, but that would still mean she has mental fortitude. 
and thus maybe the mental fortitude makes me wonder about what it is that just makes a fusion a fusion because like Stevani is mostly Connie with a bit of Steven which is interesting I mean I don't know why it caused that and also if you think about it though Rose also has a lot of tech know-how because she's the only one that was able to change the passwords on the laser light cannons the current password could not have been the original password that's true it had to have been after she met Greg so she at least has a lot of gem tech know-how so Maybe if we're going with classes, she is a rogue paladin. Someone technically has to make a D&D type game for Steven Universe. I know that someone's already kind of done it, but... I'd play it. Then everybody can have their own gemsonas and actually play them out, and I think that'd be pretty sweet. Oh gosh, the gemsonas. Oh my, I have so many. Oh, it's so much fun. Oh, I want to show you guys all of them. But it's we, we have a show to do, so we can't do that. Uh, besides, this is an audio podcast. Put them on in post. I think that's beyond his powers. Just put it, like, physically on the podcast. Like, paste it on. With glue? Also, I meant, like, show you guys in particular, not everyone. Although, if listeners want to see all of my gemsonas that I've made, I will gladly show you all of them. They're bad. But I had fun. It sounds like our podcast. <laughs> On a scale of original character bad, is it as bad as Naruto original characters, which is basically just like taking a screenshot and using MS Paint on it, or like putting your name into Deviant Art with the words "The Hedgehog" afterwards? <laughs> So after about 15 minutes of screwing around, we finally get around to our main subject, <laughs> mental illness and Steven Universe. And what makes Steven Universe really special is that it depicts mental illness subtly, and it does so without a lot of judgment, nor sticking it with the, oh, that's the crazy character. <laughs> look at you, McGucket. Hey, look at you, Ice King. Except they've been actually playing Ice King a bit more seriously nowadays. And they've been doing that for years. Look at uh, Murdoch from the A-Team for a good example of that. And not to mention, we have like the mentally ill villain trope that's been around since writing existed. Mm-hmm. The important thing to know about this whole topic is it's a concept called coding. It's not something I really understand too well, Army, so can you explain to us what that is? Okay, so surprisingly, there are not a lot of good definitions online or anywhere. Really? People tend to use the word colloquially, and we know what it means generally, but I find it hard to give a textbook definition of coding, but I'll give it a good shot. So what we have with coding is, it is a tool of writing. Now, primary traits are traits that we are told. You know, Hermione is smart. Superman is faster than a speeding bullet. While secondary traits... From just the lit motifs, we infer that Darth Vader is really tough and important. We infer that Red in Animal Crossing is probably not the most trustworthy of people, just from the music associated with them. We see people dressed in reds and deep purples, and we think villain, but we go with blues and greens, and we go, oh, hey, that's the hero. And in such a way, that's how coding tends to work. Within the past couple hundred years, coding has especially been important within uh, the history of queer media, especially in pulp fiction, in which you could not get your story published 
if your character was not straight. Uh, and so the way they would get around it is they could have this entire story where a character discovers their homosexuality, but at the end, the partner has to turn out to be evil, and that character either has to die or get committed to an insane asylum, while the main character also either dies or suffers some sort of punishment, or just realizes magically they're not gay all along, and then that's the end of the story. And that's how stories about homosexual characters were able to get published for many, many years. And to be fair, that still kind of happens in some ways, not to that extent. But if you look at Adventure Time, for instance, they don't outright state that um, Marceline and Princess Bubblegum had, used to have a relationship, although it's pretty clear that they did. Not to mention the jump forward where they have a kid. Yeah, exactly. So, But like, they have to go around it because apparently they got really big in certain countries. So what they do is they've found ways of putting it in there without actually stating it. And so while a lot of the stigma is still there, the laws have been relaxed, but we still have coding. And that's how a lot of uh, queer-coded characters made it to Disney, like uh, Ratcliffe and Scar and Ursula, who is even based off of Divine. <laughs> You're so weird. You have no idea. Um, if I also may put an example in. An example of somebody who's been coded with a disability, which is what we're going to be talking about today, is Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. I don't like Big Bang Theory. I don't like it at all. I think it's awful. And especially with the way how they treat Sheldon, who is clearly coded to be autistic. Specifically, probably Asperger's, although that's not really part of the DSM anymore, but that's another story. The point is, the way that he acts and the way that he is portrayed, it's very much coded to be autistic, but they never say it outright. They never say that that's what he has or what that's the reason. But what do they do to imply it? Well, it's through his actions. Like, for example, how he's very to the point and doesn't get sarcasm and fairly emotionless and seemingly lacking empathy and some of his obsessions and things like that. With those sort of things, you can code a character to be something or imply that they have some sort of disability or anything like that without stating it outright, just through their actions and their words, which is mainly what we're going to be talking about today. Before we do that, though, um, I'd just like to throw in my opinion on the coding and Big Bang and all that stuff. The problem with coding is it can be used to hurt people. Mm -hmm. Like The big problem I have with Big Bang Theory is the fact that Sheldon is not particularly a nice character, and mm. the way that the show puts it across, it makes it, at least to me, like it's suggesting that uh, autistic people don't care about other people, that they're manipulative, they always want their own way all the time. And the thing is, there's a big tie-in between coding and stereotypes, because again, the problem with stereotypes is... You know, people aren't stereotypes. Everyone's different. And so when you start tiring people with the brush, the implications become awkward. I don't think it helps that Big Bang Theory isn't very funny, in my opinion. <laughs> but that's a totally different story. But that's how uh, a lot of mental illness has been portrayed. I mean, even with queer coding, it's not always a good thing, like with Disney. You know, Scar, Ratcliffe, Ursula, like I mentioned are villains. Mm -hmm. Their fae personalities are seen as foppish and therefore vain, etc. so forth. And that really speaks to how coding is a double-edged sword in many respects. 
and that it can get characters into the show. It can get them into the book. It can get them into the game, but it doesn't necessarily make them a healthily portrayed character. And that's been a real issue with especially portraying mental illness, whether through coding or through very obvious things like Marvin, the uh, depressed, uh, what was it, the suicidally depressed robot? Um, yeah, Marvin from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, they, they used the term paranoid without actually knowing what it meant because he wasn't paranoid. Yeah, Mar- Marvin, the paranoid depressed robot. And so, oh, I can't believe I forgot that. I just used the word hoopy fruit earlier. Um, anyway... It's not always a good thing, but it always exists. And in many ways, in representation, that's the first steps into getting the healthy representations that we get with Korra and Asami, or with uh, Max. And of course, you're going to save her because why? You've been spending five freaking chapters doing it, Chloe. I just want to quickly touch on Big Bang Theory. I completely agree. That's the main reason why I don't like it because of how it basically says. Oh, he's autistic, but that's all of his flaws. He's an awful person because of it. And it makes me very annoyed. And also, it's very not funny. Basically, it's like Third Rock from the Sun if they changed Alien to Nerd and took out all the humor. Okay, I was about to say, because Third Rock by the Sun is a national treasure. Oh no, it's a wonderful thing, and I would never deign to say anything mad about it. So I think we'll now move on to first of our characters we're going to look at today. Uh, we're going to look at Pearl, who definitely has quite a lot of neuroses. Mm-hmm. But looking at it, it's probably the most obvious one to really start from, I would think. Yeah, especially with the huge all but saying it in name uh, page from Guide to the Crystal Gems that recently came out. So Sam, hit us with what autism is and its symptoms. It's a disorder, which isn't really like a mental disorder in a way that we usually think it. It's not like depression or anxiety because it's the mental disorder, which means it's something that people are born with and that affects their development in various ways. With autism in particular, it usually affects their language, their social skills, and their just general ability to relate to others. And it can be combined with some other things too, like... Um, It has a lot of overlap with ADHD, and some people who are autistic can also have some intellectual um, disabilities or impairments, but that's not necessary. Because it's under autistic spectrum disorder, so it is a spectrum, usually people who are autistic can be completely different. Like, some are mute or just very nonverbal. Some talk a lot. Some have a lot more problems with sensory issues. Some don't have much at all. But generally, there are three specific symptoms you have to sort of have to be able to be autistic. Diagnosis criteria for autistic passenger disorder includes persistent deficits in social communication, social interactions, multiple context. So this basically means like they don't pick up on social cues very well. Their sort of social language, like eye contact, knowing when to take turns to speak and things like that, that can be impaired. And in general, even just if they're verbal or not, because a lot of autistic people are nonverbal, so they just don't speak. Or if they do, it's very limited to a few words or phrases. 
The other part of the diagnosis criteria is restrictive repetitive patterns of behavior, interests, or activities. So this is often when you see the stereotypical autistic character being obsessed with trains or something to the point where there's just everything they talk about and everything to do is about trains. That's a part of it because it just they have very restricted interests in things, um, which are often called special interests in the autistic community. And also with repetitive movements and actions, this also includes something called stimming, which is when somebody self-stimulates by repeating certain things like flapping their hands or clicking on their pen or bouncing their leg or rocking back and forth. Just something that they keep doing to sort of usually self-soothe themselves or just something they do when they're happy or sad or represents most of anything as part of their communication. And usually it's diagnosed when they're young, like when they're like two or three. Yeah, that's about it. With that definition in mind, let's talk about Pearl. In the last year, there was a big theory posted by somebody on Tumblr. At the time, I think her name was Autistic Pearl because she made up this theory, which became quite popular, that Pearl could be seen as being coded as autistic. So this theory used examples like the way the pearl sits with her hands usually like under her it uses sort of like pressure under her what usually like under her legs or you know under her butt <laughs> <laughs> but anyway she's basically she's holding onto her legs with her hands as she sits down yeah that um holy crap you're right yeah, i'd never saw that before another part of it was the fact that she doesn't seem to get social cues very well of course People can say that's part of her being an alien, but the way that she says a lot of socially inappropriate things without even thinking about it, like for example, in On the Run, when Pearl says to Amethyst, you're not a mistake, you're just a byproduct of a mistake, and she catches herself and she's like, oh, I know that was inappropriate, but I just couldn't really help myself from saying that. It was a socially inappropriate thing to say. I'm sorry, Amethyst. I hope you can forgive me. You're the one good thing that came out of this mess. I always thought you were proud of that. Or back when, um, with the test, revealing that it was a test, and just that several consecutive moments of putting her foot in her mouth. Yeah. And some people go around saying, well, that's just a gems for you, but when you look at Amethyst and you look at Garnet, they don't usually do that. They don't usually trip up with what they say, they've got a better understanding of it. Not to mention the fact that Amethyst seems to have acclimated to human culture quite well, and so did Rose. The only reason Garnet hasn't is she's usually having fun just being herself. Yeah, like, yeah. as a relationship. Precisely. So the idea is just that the other gems, they're still sort of not quite there with social interaction in a way that's because they're aliens, but Pearl is in a very specific way, where she's, she's not, like... She's, like, completely out of, like, she doesn't understand it at all. And a good example of her sort of lack of understanding of humans and how they interact or how they act, which is also a part of autism where they sort of don't quite understand how other people think or how they're feeling as well. There was the quote from the recent Steven Universe book, which I think Amy has the... Guide to the Crystal Gems by Rebecca Sugar, creator of Steven Universe. And on page 55, a short segment entitled, She Really Does Care About You. 
Pearl has a hard time understanding humans and human stuff, but I know she really tries to be open to it. If she has a hard time talking to you, it's not because she doesn't like you. She just isn't quite sure how to act around people sometimes. I think she's just spent a lot more time around gems and gem culture than she's spent around human beings. You should show Pearl all the stuff you like and tell her all about yourself. Even if she seems confused, she's definitely really interested. After all, she's dedicated to protecting humans and the Earth. And that is a really important thing that a lot of people don't get is, you know, I have some of the traits of Asperger's, and so I do understand some of it. And there are times when, for example, people will be talking about things and I don't always understand them. And there's times when people will be talking about something that I'm not interested in. And I've actually had to learn to sort of pay attention to it because I know that it matters to people. Like, the thing is with Pearl is, you know, she may not care about that particular thing, but it's about learning that if it matters to someone you care about, then you listen to it. I suppose it's something everyone has, but it's sort of the experience of doing that. Exactly. I should also say that I am also autistic so i can also quite understand this very well like that particular quote from the book i really understood that because it can sometimes be very hard for me to just like focus and sort of show that i care when somebody's talking about something that i don't have interest in and sometimes i'll even say that like i'll be talking to my boyfriend he'll be saying something about he he'll be talking about something and i'll be like I'm trying really hard to pay attention, but it's just, I'm focusing in and out, but I really care about you, so I'm going to try my very best, because it matters to other people when they're talking about other stuff, sort of like how it matters to me when I'm talking about stuff that I really care about. So, stuff like that is something that I can definitely get as an autistic person. I can see how that can show that she is coded as autistic. So, that's a quote from the book, and some of bit of the theory from Autistic Pearl some of the other stuff that we noted that could be indicative of her being coded is um something that I noticed, which is her reaction to Rose lying to her or what she perceives as lying. In the episode Rose's Scabbard, when she gets very upset when she thinks that Rose kept lying from her because she thought that Rose told her everything. And then she ran off crying and, and in a very emotional mess. I noticed that, at least from my personal experience and from what I've seen from other autistic people, we can't always tell people are lying. So we can be very, like, trusting of other people and what they're saying because we can't usually, like, tell the little signs of them maybe not being completely, uh, honest or something like that so the idea that somebody purposely tell us something that wasn't true um that gets very upset because it's like even if it's like not really a lie and they're not doing it to like be mean it feels like a complete betrayal of trust and that's something that they feel they did personally to you everything i ever did i did for her now she's gone but i'm still here now, how would this contrast with, say, someone who just has simple feelings of betrayal from someone they had a crush on? As it was quite obvious, Pearl was very infatuated with Rose. And so, how is this different from simple feelings of betrayal from someone that they had romantic feelings for? If I could field that one. For me, it's just the magnitude of it. When you look at the way that Pearl responded, I mean, yes, Pearl did 
build her life around Rose. That's something that's very important to point out. But the actual thing of what it was was very innocuous, just the fact that she didn't tell her something when she felt that she told her everything. It's not even a lie. It's not even anything to be betrayed about. And that's, I think, generally that would do it. Because, like, you could understand someone, you know, if someone lies to you or keeps something from you that's important, you generally feel mistrustful of that person or upset. But in the case of this, it's not even that. It's just the fact that she thought Paul told her everything and there was stuff that she was not telling her about. Precisely. You got exactly right. That's what I was about to say. Basically, it is just a difference in magnitude and sort of just a different perspective on it. Like, because she felt like Rose wouldn't lie to her or like she wouldn't be able to tell if she was or wasn't, so she trusted that she wasn't, she took that to an extreme that most people wouldn't. Like, when somebody doesn't quite tell you something that happened, you might get upset. But you don't burst out in tears and go running off, becoming completely unresponsive to other people and just running away. Like, not people don't react in that way, even if they have a crush on that person. Like, that usually just isn't how you do it. But speaking of her running away and such, it reminded me a lot of a meltdown, which is something that autistic people usually go through, which is basically just... It can happen through either sensory overload, like there's something like in the environment, like maybe the lights or the sound that's just like getting them too much, or it's just something emotionally where they're just like, they can't handle their emotions very well. And usually when somebody, an autistic person goes through a meltdown, they have a very hard time being responsive to other people. They might become nonverbal and not be able to speak. Oh, wow. So that would explain why Pearl let Steven drop because she was in the middle of a meltdown. Uh, even though that uh, in normal circumstances, she could have easily sped over and caught him. When you look at Pearl's expression, the wide-eyed look, she couldn't do anything. I mean, literally, she was just frozen in place like a frightened rabbit in the headlights. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's nothing she could have done to help Steven at that point. I mean, to be fair, what we know about Steven, the theory goes that he... <laughs> It was his own emotions that stopped him from reaching the other side of the cliff anyway. Well, that's with the whole floating thing that we're going to get to when Steven decides to come back. Come on, Cartoon Network, bring him back! Calm down, calm down. I need my fix, man. It's be all right. <laughs> You've got your adventure time. Yeah. It's true, well... Which is currently waiting on new episodes. We've had a good look at Pearl here. I mean, there's loads we could still go into, um, particularly, as you said before, about... The fact that um, her social issues, she's very literal, which I have a lot of, tr- I'll tell you one thing, um, I do have a bit of problem with that, especially when it comes to sarcasm. Oh, um, two examples. Too many birthdays where she wasn't really uh, acclimating to the pie joke. Yeah, something like that. And during, uh, oh, what was it, the Strawberry Fields first introduction uh, with the, the the teacup ride. Oh, that's right, that's Steven Universe not freaking the Beatles. I will throw something in here, though. It does seem to be a sort of a gem trait, because... Peridot also has seems to have this issue with literalness. Well, yeah, but Peridot hasn't been on Earth for a while. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, Peridot has an excuse. Yeah. I like to watch you sleep sometimes. And by sometimes, I mean often. I was going to add a couple of other things right before we uh, move on. Other things that could be indicative of her being coded as autistic. 
She can often play with her hands or hold on to other people's like arms, which could just be like a stim or like a social com- uh, a comfort sort of thing. Definitely with the holding on to people thing. Yeah, she clings to Garnet. She needs a lot of support. Yeah, well, she often clings to people that, you know, she's comfortable with or... Which is something I've found I've often done, which, like, if I'm really uncomfortable in a situation, especially an unfamiliar situation where I don't know anybody, I will cling to the person I know. Even if I don't know them that well, I'll cling to them being like, please save me. Please save me. I don't know what to do with myself. Help. Help. And another thing is her organization. This isn't true for all people who are autistic. I am a primary example. You don't want to look at my room. I know that feeling. Yeah. But it is a stereotype, which is a negative part of coding, of course. But it is a stereotype that um, autistic people are, like, very neat and very orderly. They they like their stuff in a particular place. That That's just, like, where they know that they are. And if they're not where they think they are... Then get very upset. Pearl is shown to be very much like this. She does not like mess. Things that are like a little bit out of order, she just like really gets bugged out about. I'm trying to think of a specific example. Well, she's just constantly tidying. She's the tidy one. Yeah. So that is another indication of her being coded as such, just because that's something that often is shown to be stereotypical of autistic people. I will throw something in though. This uh, need for things being in place doesn't necessarily have to be neatness. For me, I just have a really big problem with disappointment. Because so if someone says they're mm. going to do something, but generally this is just talking about my friends. Like uh, you know, my friends are great, but sometimes I can't spend time with them, and we plan something, and then it turns out someone can't make it, and I find that really, really difficult. Oh, me too. My parents had to come up with a specific strategy, which is just the constant reminder that plans change. Because if I have it in my head that things are changeable, I deal with it a lot better. Um, I completely agree. That's something I have a lot. Of str- I have struggled a lot with too. Like I'll feel like it's almost them like lying to me, or like because I'll be like, "But you said we were gonna hang out. Oh, but we can't. But why? You're completely changing this. Why didn't you tell me? I don't understand." And I can get really upset when plans just change, especially if they change like really last minute. Because like I'll I'll have my day in my head planned like i know what i should be what i'm doing something that one has to deal with that's, that's the thing with anything it's all about coping strategies thankfully it gets a little easier as time goes on yeah well it gets easier hello this is joseph from the future our recording system was so long that we've decided to split this into two parts. So next time you'll get to hear more of our interesting conversation with Sam about mental illness in Steven Universe. But before we go, here's a few bits of news and information you might want to know. The first thing is that our website is now up. Yes, we are at crystalgemcast.com. All of our content will be posted to there, so it gives you a centralised space to find all our content and also makes it easier for you to leave your comments or questions for us to answer. The other main thing to bring up is that for the past month or so, we've been doing episode reviews called Stephen Review Universe. It's on our YouTube channel. you find it just by searching on YouTube for Crystal Gem Cast. We release them every week. We're not releasing an episode. So we've already got about six to eight episodes up there already. And we'll continue to do that. At the moment, we've been doing retro reviews. But when we get the new episodes through, 
which we've just found out is happening. The Stephen Bomb is coming as of January the 4th, so that's great news. We'll be starting to review the episodes as they come out, although I don't think we're able to do an entire week's worth because it takes a while to make these. Even so, it'll be great to get some new episodes in. And if you're interested in the videos, we'd appreciate it if you could like them, subscribe to our channel, and spread them amongst your friends. As always, if you want to contact us, we are on Tumblr, we are on Twitter, Crystal Gemcast, we're also on Facebook. With the Facebook page, if there's anything you want to share with us, please do, because we'll just check it over, and if we like it, we'll approve it, and you'll get to share cool Steven Universe stuff with everyone. Just as a reminder, any question or comment sent through us throughout whatever way you want to send it to us could get read out on the next podcast. So if you have any opinions about Steven Universe and mental illness, or want to give your opinion on what your favourite fusion was, please let us know. If you love the podcast and want to help us, there are several things you can do. The most important thing is to basically just share this with your friends or anyone you know that happens to like Steven Universe and likes listening to podcasts that talk about analytical stuff. The other major thing you can do is to give us a review on iTunes. Every review we get helps bump us up on the rankings and that helps us get noticed by more people. And finally, on behalf of all the Crystal Gem cast, as it is this festive time of year, or we'll be close to it, we'd like to wish you a very happy holidays and merry whatever festival you uh, celebrate. And the festivus for the rest of us. That's a goodbye from me, Joseph. And Ami. And for this time, Sam. And we'll catch you next time. Unless the earth explodes. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. That was the Crystal Gemcast. Our credits music, Stronger Than You, was written by Estelle and Rebecca Sugar and arranged and performed by UC Berkeley. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and is a production of Cartoon Network Studios. Thanks for listening.